The Swain Event Podcast is driven by Beatty Chevrolet. For your new and pre-owned vehicle shopping needs, visit BeattyChevrolet.com. Deep down the middle, has got his man, and he's gone. Jason Swain, touchdown. It's time for the Swain Event with your host, Jason Swain. My man. Real sports talk for the real sports fan. All you chumps are going to bow when I whoop him. It's time for the Swain Event, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Give me two and a red flag. All right, Ben McKee. That sounds good. Oh, I don't know why. I don't sound like T-Pain anymore. Now, now you sound like new T-Pain without the auto-tune. Uh, I, I, I don't know what I did different. but You restarted. That's what you did different. Hey, man. Te- technology, technology, my man. friend. Technology. So, all right. We 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 good now, man. Welcome to the Swain Event Fuel by Dead End Barbecue. Top 100 Barbecue Restaurant <laughs> in uh, America. I don't know. What fixed it? Just a quick little restart, but I guess that's technology for you. Good to be here uh, with you. We got a big game to, to talk about today, Tennessee, South Carolina. But first, Ben McKee, you, you, you got to be able to get your, get your bragging out, get your I told you so out to our guy Brad Matthews, who is a diehard Ravens fan. Lamar Jackson, he's going to be MVP. I've taken up for him before. They went out, they got him a receiver. They went out, they got him one of the best offensive coordinators in football from from Georgia. Uh, He wasn't great himself, the offensive coordinator. Lamar Jackson threw a pick in the end zone. He also fumbled. The one thing you don't do as a receiver, according to my offensive coordinator, David Cutcliffe, is you don't just throw your hands up when you think you're open because you don't want the quarterback to throw it to you. You may think you're open, but you're not open. And nicely threw his hands up, even though he was double covered, covered, wound up being triple covered. Lamar threw it, interception. But he doesn't play to the same level in the playoffs as he – does in the regular season and Ben, that was that's what happened against the chiefs and enjoy yourself i i just i just want to say congratulations to trey smith and Jawan jennings i'm just absolutely thrilled for them that they get to square off in the super bowl trey smith may end up with a second super bowl ring in what three seasons? Is this his third third year in the league? Uh, so two two Super Bowls right off the bat. Uh, Jawan Jennings might win his first ring, which so. that would be a pretty cool story. Uh, Jawan Jennings being a, a Super Bowl champion uh, because he has not always taken uh, the, the path less traveled <laughs> during his football career. Uh, so I'm just happy for Trey Smith and, and Jawan Jennings Swain. I uh, I am a Travis Kelsey fan, so I'm I'm happy to see Travis Kelsey going back to the Super Bowl. Uh, I I like Patrick Mahomes as well. I thought he came off very likable in uh, in in the quarterback documentary on on Netflix. I, I I like Patrick Mahomes, which feels weird because I know I'm not supposed to like the Chiefs. 
they're the next warriors and patriots and and so on and so forth but uh, i personally find those two very likable i'm I'm just thrilled and and very happy for the vfls i I know you're still rooting for multiple alabama programs and and athletes but i am uh, just just really happy to see multiple vfls uh moving on to the super bowl and and i do want to congratulate lamar all-time great quarterback future hall of famer I just want to congratulate him on earning his second his second MVP trophy, Swain. That is, that is a huge accomplishment and uh, also matching playoffs wins to his MVP. He he can now say he has two of each. And not many can say that. Not many people can say they have two MVP trophies and two career playoff wins. And uh, he he was able to do so by catching his own pass. I mean that that is a heck of an accomplishment. Kudos to him for for the touchdown run and and being able to catch his own pass. Those were just tremendous highlight plays and uh, helped him improve to two all time career playoff wins. So I, I I am happy for Lamar. Seems like a great guy, elite football player. I, I just want to congratulate him on now having as many MVP trophies as he does career playoff wins. <sighs> There you go. That, that was but at chance. least he caught his own pass. At least he caught his own pass. Not many people could say that. That's not true. many could. Not many people could say that. That's true. Well, hey, if that's what you want to do during your time to be petty, then hey, go for it. So that was that was Ben's mm-hmm. petty time. And I know you're not talking about Alabama teams, all Ben. I, I know talking about me, my Alabama players, Alabama. Alabama teams. I don't know what know. you're talking about. Shame, shame on me for rooting for Auburn when Auburn played Alabama. Shame on me. That that is just so disgraceful. Electing to cheer for Auburn why you got instead for of Alabama. How dare I? What? Why do you got root for anybody? How about you just watch the game? Because that's not how sports works, Wayne. Quit, that's how sports works. Quit, quit. That, that that is that is how sports work. You just don't sit there. Yeah. And say, oh, I just hope both teams have fun. You naturally have rooting interests, whether you want to believe that or not. You naturally have rooting interests. How yourself. dare I root for Auburn instead of Alabama? Shame on me. I, I will Speak try to be yourself. better moving forward. Speak for yourself. Speak for yourself. Tennessee fans rooting for Dalton Connect. Uh, it's been crazy to see. The run that he has been on, scoring points, and, and how the fan base has um, wrapped their arms around him. He's enjoying it while also being a little uncomfortable. It's funny to see his teammates uh, make fun of him a little bit, being such a star. Jamal Meshack and, and Jonas Adu. The question is, because we know what goes up must come down. And what this down will go up. It's the way it works. Um, at some point, I don't know what coach is going to be. Maybe it's Lamont Paris today. At some point, a coach is going to make Tennessee beat us, beat them with somebody else besides Dalton Connect. At some point, Dalton Connect is going to see double teams when he touches the basketball. And at some point, there's going to be another player that will have to step up. And you take what Dalton Connect has done over the last couple of games, uh, 25 points here, 30 points here, 37 here. 
And I'm not saying one person, if Dalton Connect only scores eight or nine points or ten points in the game, one player can take up that that slack. It may be multiple players. But it's hard for me to believe, Ben, that at, at some points a coach is going to try to take away Dalton Connect and someone else is going to have to step up. If you have a receiver, you're a running back, and that player is hot. That player has been dominating, going on a stretch of four or five games where he's putting up putting up big numbers, and the team is winning. You have to be stupid as an opposing coach and say, "Okay, we're going to play him straight up the way everybody else has been playing him." No, you're going to force that team to beat you another another way. So if it's running back that's been dominating, you're going to say, "All right, we're going to stack the box. We're going to make the quarterback beat us with his arm." If it's a receiver that's been killing you, no, we're going to shade coverage to that side. We're going to make the other receivers beat us. In this case, in basketball, don't connect. At some point, man, it may be Lamont Paris today. It may be Calipard over the weekend. At some point, someone's going to say, Santi, can you beat us? Josiah, can you beat us? Z, can you beat us? Meshack, can you beat us? Somebody else going to have to beat us except Don't Connect. But I will say, man, dude, it's fun watching him ball, man. Ooh, it's fun watching him take over. Yeah, good luck to that coach I making that happen. I, I, I do agree with you. At some point, Dalton's not going to score 25 points in a road game. And at some point, he's he's going to have an off night. And they, they, they play too many games to play great basketball every single night. That, that's just not typically how sports work. Even the best of the best have off nights here and there. And, and when that time does come, Somebody else is going to have to step up. And, and I have a, a lot of confidence that, that they will step up. Uh, and, and I'll touch on that in a minute. But I think back to Jabari Smith and, and Brandon Miller. The, those two guys are the most recent Dalton Connects, in, in my opinion, in, in terms of the best player in the league. And, and another conversation we need to have later in the show is all these people thinking that the SEC Player of the Year race is close right now. It, it, it's not. Maybe that changes on Saturday. Close. Dalton has a clunker. At, at Kentucky and Antonio Reeves pops off, but it, it's not close right now. And, and there are too many people outside of Knoxville thinking that it is close. Um, but that's a separate conversation for a, a separate time. Uh, but I think back to Jabari Smith and, and Brandon Miller being the most recent Dalton Connects elite level scores and, and the guy that you worried about the most and, and the player of the year and, and so on and so forth. And even they, had a night during their awesome freshman seasons to where they did not play to the level of their ability. And Tennessee was the game that, that did it. When, when I vividly remember uh, Jabari Smith and, and Brandon Miller last season coming in here and, and Tennessee locking them down, slowing them down. And uh, at some point, a team is, is going to, to slow down Don't Connect. He, he's not going to play great basketball every single night. Uh, he, he's going to have an off night. Now, there's not going to be very many of them. You can count on one hand how many off nights there, there's going to be. And it may not even be two or three off nights the rest of the regular season. But at some point, he will have one. And uh, I loved listening to Rod Clark break down what makes Dalton Connect so difficult to guard yesterday when he met with the media ahead of tonight's game. And the answer to how do you defend what makes Dalton so tough to defend is, to me, the answer for when Dalton is having an off night. Because even though Dalton may have an off night 
in terms of simply scoring the basketball and the ball going through the rim, he is still going to have the ball in his hands in that off night. And just like how it's tough to defend him, if you're in the pick and roll situation and you try to stay on his hip, then he's just going to drive to the rim. And he's too big and athletic for you to slow down with a guard or he's too athletic for your big sitting there in the post. He, he's going to be able to score. But if he's having an off night where he can't get the ball in the hoop, he has become an awesome facilitator. He's always been a really good facilitator, but I, I feel like his ability to see the floor and dish to his teammates has, has really taken a step forward over the last month or so um, because he is so big. And if, if you blitz him, he can see over the defense. If, if you blitz him with multiple guys, he can see over the defense. And how many times of late have we seen him jump up two-handed over the head pass to Jonas Adu in the paint for, for a wide open dunk or spray it to somebody in the corner because he's getting double teamed. He recognizes where the double team is coming from and he makes a great pass to find the open man who, who knocks down a shot. Uh, so I, I, I just think there, there are so many ways that Dalton connect can hurt you. He, he's not simply a shooter. He's not simply a, a guy that just wants to get downhill and, and get to the rim. He, he is an all around great basketball player. And, and on the night where he is maybe one of seven from three, I mean, what it, it was, was it the, the game last week or, or there's a recent game where he was like one of six from three and, and still dropped. Maybe it was, was it the Alabama game? Where he was, he didn't have a great night shooting the three point shot, but he he found other ways to to get his points and and get his teammates involved, and that's the recipe on, on the nights where he is maybe two for fourteen or or four for sixteen and and one for six from three. Is he still able to get to the free throw line? Is he still able to dish it out to his teammates when when teams are doing whatever to try and slow him down? Bama game, he was one for six. Right, and he still ended up with what twenty, twenty something that twenty five. You know why? Quiet. Because it got to the free throw line eight times and made eight free throws. So that's the recipe. Yeah, he knows. And, he knows. I get to the free throw line. Shooting. Yeah, like he, he he's going to get to the free throw line. He's going to pour in points there uh, against Vanderbilt. And he mentioned this uh, in his post game interview with with Ron Slay that his dad's going to be texting him talking about his free throws. He was three for seven from the free throw line. Um, but perfect from the free throw line against Alabama, eight for eight, and then nine for nine against Florida. Um, so he's getting to the free throw line on top of making shots, driving the ball to the rim, scoring at all different levels. Uh, but at some point, man, like I just, I just feel like somebody else is going to have to step up. And I think guys are ready for that. I, I truly – Truly believe that either Santi or or Z, someone's going to be I ready. I think it's Zakai and up. Jonas. Or Jonas, yeah. Well, I was thinking somebody it, more on the perimeter. Yeah, um, that, that's fair. But making shots two. on the outside because you're going to have the defense favoring Dalton Connect, and someone's going to be open for open shot on the perimeter. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, Jonas is, I think, going to continue to do what he do what he does, but. In terms of stepping in when Dalton Connect is either A, having an off night, or B, uh, being double teamed, uh, or all the attention is on him, I think a perimeter player is going to step up and, and make some plays. Um, we'll take a break and 
when we return, there's a conversation about the SEC Player of the Year race being a lot closer than um, it really is right now. Like, things can change the next two games. Don't get me wrong, but, like, right at this very moment, is it that close? Well, there's a conversation outside Knoxville that would suggest that it is really close. Don Connect has been, quite frankly, on a heater. No one has been able to guard him. No one has been able to check him um, at all. Does that continue? Does, Does that slow down? And if it slows down, who steps up inside of the SEC to gain some ground on Don Connect for SEC Player of the Year? Ben McKee, Go Vols 247. I'm Jason Swain. Stay with us. Swain Event, fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. Fellas, it's a new year. Low T Center can make it a great one. If you've been feeling tired and grumpy, have noticed a lack of motivation and drive, you may have low T. Low testosterone levels can cause weight gain, loss of muscle mass, and so much more. I recommend Low T Center. It's where I get my levels tested. They make it quick and easy to get your levels checked, and it's only $25. And with their on-site lab, you'll get your results back in about 25 minutes. Go to LowTCenter.com now to book your appointment online. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. Hey there, Swain Event fam. If you're currently renting and just about priced out of your place, give me a call. Jennifer Morris with Keller Williams Realty at 865-257-7897. You may be able to buy a home and have monthly payments less than your rent. And wouldn't you rather pay your own mortgage than someone else's? Hope to hear from you soon and go Vols. What's up, Swain Event family? It's great to be on board. This is Taylor Hawkins with Modern Woodman Fraternal Financial, and I have one question for you. When was the last time you have slowed down and evaluated your financial situation? Just like the Vols, a great game plan leads to victory. Let us help you achieve your financial goals with a custom-made game plan. No matter what stage of life you're in, protecting your family and hard-earned money is important. So let one of our local and trusted financial professionals secure your future by visiting one of our 10 branch offices across Tennessee or give us a call locally at 865-312-5638. And remember, go Vols. Registered representative and investment advisor, representative offering securities and advisory services through NWA Financial Services, Inc., a wholly owned subsidiary of Modern Woodman of America, member of INCRA, SIPC. Here in Knoxville, we love it when a squirrel's in the checkerboards. But when there's a squirrel in our attic, that's all sides. When that happens, call Alpha Wildlife. They're Knoxville's veteran-owned and operated wildlife removal company. When unwanted critters put their feet up on your coffee table, call 865-224-6555. Let the Tennessee fans at Alpha Wildlife evict those unwanted tenants and set your home up with a winning defense to keep that wildlife where it belongs. That's Alpha Wildlife at 865-224-6555. They have locations in Nashville, Memphis, Chattanooga, and in parts of South Carolina. Check them out online at alphawildlife.com. The conversation doesn't stop when the show is over. Follow the Swain event on Twitter and like this show on Facebook. Jason Swain here with you. 
Ben McKee, co-host 247. You get a nice kick out of uh, post-game press conferences where teammates harass the other teammate, make them uncomfortable. Doc Connect was a victim. Meshach Adu, Adu was getting on Doc Connect. Does that make you media guys laugh? Chuckle. <laughs> Uh, yes, because media people, especially writers, are cornballs. So yes, they 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 do get a kick out of. Hey, Mike Wilson. Mike Wilson is is a cornball. Uh, Grant Grant Ramey is probably the biggest cornball uh, of all. Uh, Ryan Shumpert would would like a piece of that conversation uh, as well. So, uh, I of course not a cornball. I, I'm not a writer. I, I'm just uh, a, a blogger uh, who, who sometimes is allowed to speak into a microphone, and um, I'm just I just like baseball. I mean that that's all I can really say. I, I just like baseball, and and I show up, and I and I get lucky, uh, quite quite frankly. So, uh, I I don't know why anybody would pay me i don't know that i'm worth any amount of of money whatsoever to to do this gig i'm just an internet blogger yapping yapping on twitter uh but no that that was on a serious note that that was a really cool moment um it it just again you and i swain how many times over the last couple of weeks have we talked about how these teammates love each other but b when dalton has one of those games where he catches the the eye of the national media uh, puts up the the points thirty two on Saturday against Vanderbilt when when he's the storyline in a game which he has been often of late. You and I have had multiple conversations the last couple of weeks about how in his post game interviews he does not talk about himself. He says, "I got hot, made some shots, but my teammates and my coaches credit to them. They are the ones that put me in a position to succeed." And uh, I, I thought that was what that represented, what you and I and, and not that you you and I were, you know, breaking news or something when we were having those conversations or, or, or talking, making an, an extraordinary discovery there. But uh, I, I thought that was a, a representation of of what Dalton does mean to his teammates and how great of a job Tennessee's teammates that returned a lot of veterans, how they've had open arms to Dalton uh, because Santiago Vescovi and Josiah Jordan James, their their volume on offense has gone down this season in their last season. Jemai Meshack, his volume of shots have, have gone down and nobody's complained at all. They, they just want to win. Santi talked about that yesterday. So I, I thought that's what that represented. It, it's just the conversations we've been having the last couple of weeks about how the, this team really loves each other and, and Dalton being a great teammate. Uh, because if Dalton was not a great teammate, his teammates are, are not stopping in the hallway on the way to the bus to, to kind of be funny there in the background. And, and it was, it was really, really funny because Jonas Adu is a character. No, he he really is. He is hilarious. Yeah, he, he really is. Uh, he has a personality, and you guys see it more than the, than the public. But, yeah, he, he, he certainly has one. Um, when you look at the SEC player of the year, the race, it, I mean, it seems like 
a runaway if you are a Tennessee fan. But outside of Knoxville, especially in Lexington, there's a different player that should be in the lead for SEC Player of the Year. Uh, ben, what are you seeing out there, man? Are we seeing the same things? Yes, we are seeing the same thing. That That's why... That's why I made the comment earlier in the show uh, that I did that we need to have this conversation uh, because th- there are people that believe Mark Sears and Antonio Reeves should be SEC Player of the Year over Don't Connect. I even I've even seen some Wade Taylor the Fourth comments about how Wade Taylor the Fourth of Texas A&M should be SEC Player of the Year. Wade Taylor the Fourth. And maybe, are they like projecting what's going to happen by the end of the season? Or are they talking about like present time? Who should if, be in the league right now? If, if the season ended today, they would win the award. Explain something to me, Ben. You go DraftKings Sportsbook, and right now, Zach Eady. It's minus 700. Men's Wooden Award winner. 2023-2024. With the best odds. The second best odds at plus 1,500 is Dalton Connect, Tennessee. Third, R.J. Davis, North Carolina. Fourth, Hunter Dickinson, Kansas. Armando Baycock, North Carolina. Cal Fubraski from Duke. I don't see nobody from Kentucky on here. I don't see nobody from Alabama on here. Oh, there's Antonio Reeves at plus 10,000. Mark Sears plus 15,000. So how are you so close to Zach Eady, which really no one's really close. But you're the closest. How are you the closest to Zaidi for National Player of the Year, but you're not the runaway favorite in the SEC? That just doesn't make any sense to me. So, Dalton Connect is the favorite. What he has done in the last couple of games in the SEC has been nothing short of amazing. And think about this, Ben. What if Dalton Connect, after he turned his ankle against North Carolina, what if he would have set out versus some of those teams where he had low-scoring outputs? What if he sits out versus Tarleton State? What if he sits out? Huh? Norfolk State. Yeah, like he had six points against Tarleton. So 39 versus Florida. 37 against North Carolina, but you mean tell me he ain't getting up to drop more than six points versus Tarleton? He ain't getting up to drop more than two points versus NC State? So, like, what if he actually sits out those games coming off that ankle injury to North Carolina? I mean, he had seven points versus, what's this, Georgia Southern? Ten points versus George Mason? His average is well over 20. But what he's yeah. done in the last five games starting in Mississippi State 
28 points. Georgia, 36 points. On the road. Mississippi State, on the road. At home, 39 versus Florida. At home, Alabama, 25. On the road again, 32 versus Vanderbilt. Come on, man. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah, and, and it's and you made the point that I was going to make. Uh, I was going to say it a little bit differently. I, I was going to say, what if he never turned his ankle? What would his numbers look like following uh, that that North Carolina loss where, where he did turn his ankle? Because uh, he, he's not scoring six points, nine points, whatever it was in, in those handful of basketball games leading up to conference play. Uh, like like you said, if, if he hadn't had played, his, his numbers would still be up. But also, if he hadn't had turned his ankle, then his numbers would also be up and, and even higher as well because he probably would be in double digits in, in all of those games if he was not slowed with an ankle injury. So uh, his overall points per game to me is a little misleading um, because right now he's at 19.5 which is a, a really really good number but those games in which he turned in which he was battling the ankle injury the the points per game now is is hurting because he played in those games like you said uh, so the the points per game uh, others are wanting to point out that Oh, well, Antonio Reeves is also averaging 19.5 a game, and Mark Sears is averaging a clean 20 a game. It, it, there's a little more context that, that should go in to comparing those numbers. And look, Antonio Reeves and Mark Sears, they, they have been awesome. Yeah, they both. And uh, because there's a, a month and a half left of the regular season, it's a conversation, and they are absolutely in the conversation. And, and things can change very quickly in this league. I said it earlier, if, if Dalton Connect goes into rep this weekend and lays an egg and Antonio Reeves drops 30, then all of a sudden we, we really have a conversation on our hands. And uh, Dalton still has to go to Tuscaloosa where Mark Sears will be waiting for him next month. Uh, so th- things can change very quickly. But as of today, why I don't think it's a conversation is because of two numbers, two stats. Dalton is averaging 28 points per game in SEC play, 28 points per game in SEC play against, according to Ken Palm, the third toughest conference in the league. And it's not like Tennessee's played Vanderbilt every single game. They, they've played some tough opponents that, that are going to flirt with, with getting into the NCAA tournament. And and Dalton has sh- showed up and, and shown out. So Antonio Reeves, 18.8 points per game in SEC play so far. Dalton is averaging 10 more points per game in SEC play than Antonio Reeves right now. And uh, Mark Sears, he's averaging 21.1. My thoughts on Mark Sears, yes, he's in the conversation right now, but I don't want to hear about Mark Sears after the performance he had in Knoxville when it mattered most. I want to see Mark Sears do something away from Tuscaloosa before I seriously consider him a contender to win SEC player of the year. And he has plenty of time to do that. But as of today, I don't want to hear anything about Mark Sears with, with how he showed up in, in Knoxville and, and no showed quite frankly, and, and got his points late in that game when Tennessee was up by 20 or so for, for most of, of that second half. Uh, but then also the other stat last point, Swain Antonio Reeves, one 30 point game this season, Mark Sears, two 30 point games this season. Don't Connect has four of them, and he's been doing it not against directional schools, doing it against North Carolina in Chapel Hill, tying the record for most points by an opponent 
in the Dean Smith Center. Yep. Like he's been doing that yep. in his in his 30 point performances. So when you're averaging 28 points per game in conference play and you have four 30 plus games, you you are the runaway favorite to win SEC player of the year. Yep. I'm I'm with you, man. Uh Clay on the Betty Chevrolet text box. Has Jordan Ganey got his confidence back? And can he continue to be a solid bench player? What is going on offensively with Josiah Jordan-James? Watching him pass up an open layup was hard to see. He's one of my favorite players on the team. And it's hard to watch him be bad lately. Uh, Jordan Ganey absolutely has his confidence back. On the locker room on Sunday, we had Ganey and Mayshack, And I asked Ganey about... You know, kind of what went into him getting out of that shooting slump. Um, how did he do that? He referenced his teammates having confidence in him, uh, continuing to encourage him to shoot the ball when he's open. And um, 15 points against Alabama. Did a good job in, in Tennessee's last game as well. And sometimes it happens, man. I, like, I've seen Steph Curry hit shooting slumps. Um, sometimes the ball just doesn't go in. But you continue to shoot it. You continue to stay true to your mechanics and to your form and making sure that you're, that you're mentally staying positive and staying in it. Because the moment you start shooting the ball and second-guessing whether it's going to go in, you're not going to make it. you got to continue to shoot with confidence. Uh, and you have to take those good shots, too, and, and not force it. And there's other ways you can impact the game, too, if your shot's not falling. But... Yeah, Jordan Gainey has got out of that shooting slump. We've seen guys like Lamonte Turner. We've seen Admiral Schofield. We saw, you know, Jordan uh, Bowden. These guys that are playing professional basketball. Like, we've seen guys hit shooting slumps and then shoot their way out of it. Chris Lofton had, you know, slumps. Uh, not that many, but he had them. And then as far as Josiah and Jordan James, Rick continues to say that Josiah is going to be okay. But offensively, he does not look okay. But he is doing other things to help you know this basketball team. He's been a role player. He's been a star in his role. And at the end of the day, Tennessee is winning games. Um, and that's, that's, what, that's, what, that's what matters. Uh, he's, he's in an in an extended slump right now. Yeah. Uh, he, he is he is not as poor of a shooter as, as he has displayed of late. Tennessee maintains that it, it's just a, a slump and and that he just needs to see one go down. That That is what Tennessee's coaching staff uh, believes. And uh, watching practice yesterday, Josiah was he was not missing yesterday in practice. So I thought that was a good sign. And uh, I also enjoyed hearing his teammates really trying to encourage him throughout practice to continue to take shots when he is open and uh, really pumping him up when, when they did go through the room and rim and uh, make them uh, because they, they know that he's capable of knocking down those open shots. I also think uh, this is a conversation I think needs to be had is, we need to recalibrate our expectations for Santiago Vescovi and Josiah Jordan James within the parameters of this team, this offense, because what you needed from Josiah and Santi the last couple of years 
is not what you need from Josiah and Santi this year. Uh, the, the previous two seasons, they they were what option number one and option number two for the most part offensively. I guess Kennedy was maybe two years ago, maybe option number one by the time the you season. You could say won. one of the top three options. Yeah, which is a significant role uh, within an offense and, and within a team. Now they're what option four and five. But or, I, I would say, yeah, or you could say you needed offensive production from those guys for Tennessee to win. Like, and now you don't. And, and now you just you just don't need it as much. So the the days of needing Santi and Josiah to score twelve to fifteen points a game th- those days are over. You you don't need that from them. Now, I, I think Santi, you you need points from him. You need him to knock down two to three threes a game and, and continue to take open shots and, and knock them down. But I, I feel like some people are assessing the play of Santi and Josiah based off of what Tennessee has needed from them in the past. And to a certain extent, that still does exist with Santi. I don't want to say he's completely in the same category as Josiah. But for Josiah, his, his role has has changed quite a bit. And he he is in a slump right now, but Tennessee doesn't need him to go score double figures every single night. They they need him to do all those other things that you talked about, Swain, and also take the open shot when the open shot comes to him and and knock down those shots. Now he hasn't been making those of late, but I, I do think he's going to come back around and, and shoot better better than he has. But th- there's this segment of the fan base that. They can't. It feels like they can't wait to criticize Santi or Josiah the moment they mess up. They 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 can't wait to to jump on them and and kind of put them down. It, it it's it's a little weird to me. And again, it's a small portion. I, I feel like for the most part, a lot of Tennessee fans appreciate Santi and his career, appreciate Triple J and, and his career. But I I see on the message boards. In my Twitter mentions, as soon as things go wrong, those two are always the one that everybody jumps on. And, and to me, it, it all goes back to needing to recalibrate the expectations for those guys because what what you've needed from those guys the last couple of years is not what you need from them this year. Uh, Dalton doing what he's doing, you you give credit to Josiah and Santi. They were instrumental and maintaining this culture that allowed Dalton to be able to come in, number one, be attracted to Tennessee. Number two, feel confident coming in and playing his game, not being you know, hesitant. Josiah and Santi gets a lot they get a lot of credit, regardless of what they do on a basketball court. So um I just think that's I think that's pretty silly. There's only so many so many points that can go around. Like, do we truly expect Dalton to continue to go 30 points per game? Santi get you 15. Josiah gets you 15. Jonas gets you 15. Guys, that's 75 Kai. points. <laughs> like, that. that's 75 points right there. There's not enough points that's going to go around. This team um, is a team that can average 75 points a night. So what do we, th- not everyone can go double figures. Someone has to go six, eight, uh, seven. Like that's, that's the, that's the way it works. But anyways, man, just 
glad that we're in the position that we're in right now. This team is playing well, but not too well. Not too well too early. Because the last thing you want to do is peak early. Think about UConn. Man, they peaked at the right time last year. The perfect time. And that's where you want to peak, man. You want to peak at that, that sweet spot. I remember Auburn a couple of years ago. They were the best team in the country at the beginning of February. And then at the end of February, they were not. The Jabari Smith season. That season. Oh, yeah. That season. So they peaked early. You want to peak at the right time. So, yeah, Tennessee is, you're seeing gradually getting better, finding new ways to win, guys shooting themselves out of slumps, guys taking their game to the next level, small steps here and there. But this team, although they're getting better and they're winning games, there's still room for them to improve. They haven't really hit the mountaintop of their potential. And I'm glad they have it because I don't want to hit that at the end of January. I want to hit that at the end of February. 865-255-03. Let's go to the phones. Uh, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Mike from Conyers here. What's up, Mike? Hey, man, I am just loving watching this basketball team this year. I mean, there's just so much to to uh, appreciate about this team. You know, so many different ways they can win. I, you know, and I, I'm going back to the NC State game when I think uh, – I believe Connect only had two points in that game, and James had twenty three, and Ziegler had twenty. And you know, right. I mean, they they can win in all sorts of different ways. Um, you know, if, heaven forbid if if Bescovy and James both get hot as we get towards the end of the season, it just lights out. But yeah, I'm just absolutely loving this <laughs> this team. Um, I did want to ask a, a couple a question, uh, really Ben, for you um, on the. Uh, this tight end pickup from Alabama, I know he's not a like a big time um, player. I think he played mainly special teams. But um, what do you what what do you know about him, and um, what do you, do you think he'll be a contributor this year? I, I think he'll be a contributor, but I, I'm not expecting him to have the production of of Jacob Warren in in the passing game, or uh, even a McCollin Castles. He he seems like a a depth piece. Uh, I, I think if he, he's certainly not going to be the the starting tight end, that that that's going to be oh, one of stays. Uh, but I, I also think that if if he's your your number two tight end, you, you're probably not reaching your ceiling at tight end. I, I think you need Ethan Davis to, to be that tight end number two for for really uh, to replicate what you've been able to do the past two years at that position with Princeton Fant and Jacob Warren, and then Jacob Warren and McCollin Castles. I think it needs to be Holden Stays and, and Ethan Davis. Um, but I, I I like the pickup in the sense of it's a it's a depth pickup. You you needed bodies. It's it's somebody that has played in the SEC. Not a ton, as you mentioned. I don't believe he has a career start. Uh, mainly a special teams guy. Seems like a reserve tight end. But he knows the league. And if something happens to Holden Stays or Ethan Davis, you're turning to somebody who has at least played in the league rather than a high school freshman. So uh, yeah. I like the pickup. Excuse me, the pickup from that standpoint. But I don't know that he's going to have a great right. impact within the offense. I, I think you need that from Holden Stays and Ethan Davis. 
I think if I'm not mistaken, he was a four star coming out of high school. Does that, does that sound right? Uh, I or believe three. he was in that range, kind of a fringe three star, four star, depending on who you looked at. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, really reaching out there a little bit. What are you hearing about Okoye? I mean, is he going to be more like a, you know, year three, year four kind of guy before he's really ready to? I know he's a project, but um, are they still high on him? Or yeah, I, I think I'm not expecting him to contribute this season. I, I think he's still uh, a ways away, uh, simply learning the game of football, uh, just from from his background of of not really playing a ton growing up and. Uh, having to, to learn the, the simple rules of, of football, yet alone playing tight end. Uh, so, and, and he's still very wiry. And I don't, I don't know that he has the, the thickness or the, or the girth to him to, to, to be able to withstand the, the rigorous trenches of, of the SEC. Uh, so I, I don't know that they're out on him or anything along those lines, but I also don't believe he's, close to being ready to to play that that is a that that is the project of all projects yeah um hey lastly um and if you already covered it i missed the beginning of the show i'll just listen to the podcast if you already covered it but i really enjoy hearing a, a scouting report on south carolina i was looking at their record and you know man I, what do they only have two or three losses i think they have some pretty good wins in there so um i'm, I'm i think they're just sitting outside the top 25 i'm kind of surprised they're not in the top 25. But uh, anyway, I'd love to hear a little bit more about them and what what you expect to see tonight in terms of the matchup. And uh, I'll just hang up and listen. Love your, love your show, guys. Hey, thank you. Thanks, Mike. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a very similar matchup to Mississippi State swing. Uh, I, I feel both teams play a, a very similar brand of, of basketball, that, that tough, hard-nosed, physical brand and uh the south carolina just really solid uh, offensively and and defensively uh i wouldn't say that they're great uh, on either end of the floor just just really solid they're 59th in offensive efficiency and 57th in, in defensive uh, efficiency and, and they've got some guys that that can really score it michi johnson who transferred from ohio state a couple of years ago uh he has really popped off this season uh bj mack a, a transfer uh, down in the post, 6'8", 270, uh, who transferred in as as well. That's going to be a big matchup for, for Tobey Awaka and Jonas Adu. Uh Tonight, he, he's been having a, a really nice season. Talon Cooper, uh, another guy uh, who transferred in, a senior who, who Tennessee's going to have to be aware of on the perimeter. Um, so a, a really solid South Carolina team that, that's going to show up ready to fight Tennessee. And uh, Tennessee should win, obviously. It's home. I'd be surprised if they don't win inside of Thompson Bowling. And uh, Tennessee is the better team. But Tennessee will certainly have its hands full from a physicality standpoint, uh, just like it had its hands full with Mississippi State on the road a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I'm really keeping an eye on the rebounding battle tonight, especially on the offensive glass. Uh, Tennessee is, has been one of the better teams on the offensive glass this season. South Carolina has been uh, as well. And, and if you go back and you kind of track teams' records when they win the offensive rebounding battle, uh, South Carolina is 14-0 and when, when they win the offensive rebounding battle. And uh, Tennessee has won the offensive rebounding battle in 17 of 19 games uh, this season. So th- that's kind of, to me, where where this game is is going to be won. Who, who defends the perimeter better? because both teams have some weapons out there on the perimeter, and then who wins the, the battle of the glass, especially on the offensive side. All right, let's go back to the phones, uh, 865-255-03. Good morning. 
What's going on, Swaino? What's up, Buck Nasty? Oh, not a lot. Not a lot. Just calling in to stir up our memories in a way of remembrance a little bit. You guys remember when Donald Trump ran against Hillary Clinton and nobody in the country give Donald a chance at all to win the election? Not a single news media outlet anywhere. Let me stop you. Well, that's where, it, where are you going with this? Well, that's kind of what it reminds me of whenever we start to talk about Dalton Connect, the, the Wonder Bread Man, the Milk Man, the Great White Ghost, uh, the Tasty Pastry. Tasty. The number one player in the SEC, son. That's what it reminds me of. So, are we going to see an all-time snub? like we did when Peyton didn't win the Heisman? Or are these people going to get the lead out of the rear ends and realize he's the greatest thing to go on bread since salad dressing? Uh, I, don't, I don't think – I just think that's a um, – I think that's a fan base thing. I mean, I think that's a Alabama fan base thing. I think it's a Kentucky fan base thing. Uh, I think – all the the people with microphones and a platform that speak about college basketball uh, when Alabama and Auburn was playing, uh, and Jay Williams was was on the call, like he's talking about Don't Connect, you know, in the same conversation as, as Zach Eady. Uh, he that's that's who the, those guys are talking about. Um, you know, when you hear Ron Slay on SEC Network, you know, when you when you hear um, the the analyst during the basketball games is Don Connect, man. Like he he's the guy in this league that everyone's paying attention to, and right now he's he's second according to DraftKings. Uh, Nate Smith Player of the Year uh, race right now is like eighty uh, at a minus seven hundred, and Don Connect is a plus fifteen hundred. Like so, I I don't I don't think Don Connect is going to have any problem getting snubbed when it comes to the SEC play of the year race, if he continues to play like he's playing? Well, I got two more things, and I'll get out of your hair. Well, Ben's hair that's receding. You you ain't got nothing to begin with. But, one, the main reason I called is because I'm trying to get the tasty pastry started. Uh, I'm not not calling them, man, tasty pastry. Come on now. I I, I don't know. Come on now. (laughs) And number two. Now, do you guys really think that Tennessee might look past South Carolina tonight, knowing that they got a, no. uh, Kentucky here by the weekend? You and I'll not. hang up and listen. You better not. I don't think they are. I mean, I think uh, everyone in this league knows what South Carolina's doing, respects South Carolina. And even if you did it the first, like, going into the game, you wouldn't do it a minute into the game because South Carolina will punch you in your mouth. They're a physical basketball team, which is why you mentioned them and compared them to Mississippi State. I, I do want to go back to um, if I'm allowed to speak about the tight ends. I know Mike asked a question uh, specifically to you about the tight ends. Uh, you know, if I if I could um, add in on this, uh, well, the the floor is yours. <laughs> I appreciate that, uh, Miles Kinselman is more of a blocking tight end. Uh, he is going to add some good depth for you, like you mentioned. But when you think about versatility that you need 
Prince and Fat had it. Could could block, but was really athletic, could run routes. Uh, Jacob Warren obviously improved his his blocking. Uh, Colin Castles came in as a finesse tight end that could run and make plays in space and developed as a really, really solid player that could block and show his athleticism in a passing game. And so when I look at the tight end room, you got Ethan Davis that's more of an athletic tight end. Um, you have Holden Stays, who more of a athletic tight end that can do both blocking and catching. And then you have Miles uh, Kitzelman, who I feel like is, is going to be better inside of the trenches. Not saying he can't catch, not saying he can't run, um, but as I compare him to the other guys, uh, I see him being someone uh, in two tight end sets that could be very, very, very valuable for us. Um, that's my opinion on, on the tight ends, if, that, if that's okay to share uh, with you today, Ben. Uh, thank you for allowing me to do that. Well, I'm, I'm just glad that I was allowed to speak about something other than baseball. I know, you right? know I, I thought I was only allowed to, to talk about baseball, uh, so I appreciate you allowing me to, to talk about football as well. Uh, would you rather beat Kentucky Saturday or sweep LSU in baseball this year? Beat Kentucky on Saturday. Am, am I allowed to pick that one? Is that is that okay with you? Does that meet your... Your, your your fan quality card, fan card, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Am I allowed to 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 pick that result over over the baseball result? Why why wouldn't you be allowed to? You asked the question well, because I, I I wasn't allowed to do what I wanted last week. So I I'm just am I allowed to do what I want this week? Do what you want, man. You can do what you want. I, I just feel like you got to beat Kentucky, man. You've lost to them twice in a row. Um, like. Okay, you, you you sweep LSU in, in baseball. We know the regular season holds a certain amount of weight. It's about for this baseball team, man. It's about winning multiple games in the World Series and getting to the Championship Series and winning it. Like that's that's the hurdle now. It ain't beating a team in the regular season. That was years. Isn't that ago. the same hurdle for basketball? Basketball hasn't gotten past the Sweet 16 in a minute, I feel like. And I just think basketball in regular season is looked upon differently than, than baseball because there's just so many more games in baseball. Um, Kentucky is is more of a rival um, in basketball. It failed to handle business against Kentucky last year at home when he was honoring Chris Lofton. You Don't have bring that up. I'm still the mad best about team. That. You should have the best team right now out of you in Kentucky. Like, you should be Kentucky. LSU may be better than they were last year. They may be better. Talking to Matt Muscona, they may be even better than last year. So, I just, I would take the, the win over Kentucky right now. Oh, wow. We agree. It's a miracle. But we, we, which is weird. I, I don't know how we can agree when when you tell me what to say and what opinions to have. I, I don't know that's how how, how that's possible Man, that stop. we finally agree on saying agree stop. on something. Stop 
answer them message boards. Uh, good question, though, from Golf Whacker Guy. Nelson from Jackson says, now, if I call in and ask this question, y'all will be on my head. What question? What question you talking about? He didn't ask about recruiting. He didn't. He sure didn't. Jamel, you don't think Dalton peaked too soon, or is he one of those guys? No, he one of those guys. He's him. No. I'm not worried about Dalton peaking too early. I, I, I worry about the team peaking too early, and we're not there yet. You don't want to peak too early as a team, but I ain't worried about Dalton Connect peaking. He hasn't even hit his peak yet. Like, he, he, could, he could drop 40. Like, he really could. He could drop 50. I mean, he really could. He really could. So I'm, not, I'm not worried about Dalton Connect. Right the only thing that concerns me about this basketball team is post-depth pass Jonas Adu if he gets in foul trouble. Like, that's my concern. Because I, I feel like even with Dalton Connect having off game or being taken out of the game, which can be the same, I'm confident that somebody else is going to step up and make plays because there's too much talent and too much um, experience. But the post-depth pass Adu is a concern. That's the only concern I have with this basketball team. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I do think J.P. Estrella has taken a nice step of late, but, I mean, he, he's still playing five to seven minutes a game at most, he, even with him taking a nice step forward of late. They they, ne- they really need Tobey to stop fouling. They, they, they need the light. He's better. He's better versus Vandy. <laughs> he, he came in and picked up two quick fouls, did he not? Because I, I know he picked up one very quickly because I looked over to Mike Wilson and <laughs> he checked in with about 13 and a half minutes to go. And I looked at Mike and I said, will Tobey make it to the 12 minute mark before picking up his first foul? We both said no. And he picked up his first foul at the 12 10 mark. He did not make it to the 12 minute mark without picking up his first foul. And I want to say he picked up a second one a couple of minutes later as, as well. I love so, Toby, man. He I love Tobey as well, but they, they they need him. They they need the light bulb to come on. I, I still think it's going to come on at some point. I just don't know if it's going to be this season at this point. They need it to, but I don't have a ton of confidence that it will. Two two fouls, six minutes. So he didn't he didn't play a lot. Uh, Estrella Estrella played in five minutes. Five minutes in that game. A Walker only. Only six. Like we spent yesterday on Joshua Swain trying to come up with nicknames for Dog Connect. Uh, but Nancy, we will not be using any of your names, by the way. No. Um, Absolutely not. But Toby Walker needs to have that and one nickname. He be fouling. Because <laughs> Toby is going to <laughs> foul you. Ain't no doubt about it. You get that rebound, you better hold it tight. You better hold it high and tight like a running back. On the goal line, because Toby's going to try to take it. He is going to foul you. There's times you just have to pick your moments to be aggressive. And um, fouling dudes 90 feet from the basket, that 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 drives coaches crazy. Like, that, it's like picking up a 15-yard penalty on third down. If you're, on, if you're a defensive player and you about to get off the football field, it's like, oh, we got the ball. Oh, 15-yard penalty. Offense extends their drive. Oh, that drives a coach crazy. But when when you 
foul. 90 feet from the basket. And don't let it be a one-on-one situation. Ooh, woo! Man. The other team got six fouls. You got six fouls. You foul a player 90 feet from the basket, and it sends that team into the bonus. Oh, man. Nothing pisses off a basketball coach more than that. So, Toby's going to be all right. Toby or Tobey? Tobey going to be all right. Uh, Brandon Luckett, I don't think this basketball team has peaked yet. Just wait till Vescovy finds his shot consistency. This team will be hard to stop. Yeah, this team has not peaked yet. Nope. Neil Mafia says, I swear sometimes I think you two are married, always messy and arguing. We ain't been messy. Sarcastic? Yes. Hub City, good morning, Jets. Good to see you Saturday, Ben. Go Vols. Oh, you met Hub City? Yeah, I did. Out of uh, pure luck, I was walking... Uh, back up to my seat in the crow's nest at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's Memorial Gymnasium has the worst media seating in the league by far. And uh, as I was making my way back up to the crow's nest, which is really what they call it, uh, was ended up walking past Sub City. He and his family had had just gotten there and making their way uh, to to their seats, and uh, was was nice to finally put a face with a name for for Hub City. It was very nice to see him. What's up, man? That's good. That's good, man. You're, you're a good guy sometimes. 865-255-03 is our telephone number. Ben McKee, Go Vols 247. Jason Swain live from the Low T Center Studio. Stay with us. Be right back. You're listening to the Swain event. And you know this, man. Here in Knoxville, we love it when a squirrel's in the checkerboards. But when there's a squirrel in our attic, that's all sides. When that happens, call Alpha Wildlife. They're Knoxville's veteran-owned and operated wildlife removal company. When unwanted critters put their feet up on your coffee table, call 865-224-6555. Let the Tennessee fans at Alpha Wildlife evict those unwanted tenants and set your home up with a winning defense to keep that wildlife where it belongs. That's Alpha Wildlife at 865-224-6555. They have locations in Nashville, Memphis, Chattanooga, and in parts of South Carolina. Check them out online at alphawildlife.com. Fellas, it's a new year. Low T Center can make it a great one. If you've been feeling tired and grumpy, have noticed a lack of motivation and drive, you may have low T. Low testosterone levels can cause weight gain, loss of muscle mass, and so much more. I recommend Low T Center. It's where I get my levels tested. They make it quick and easy to get your levels checked, and it's only $25. And with their on-site lab, you'll get your results back in about 25 minutes. Go to LowTCenter.com now to book your appointment online. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. Hey there, Swain Event crew. Just like fall sports, the Knoxville area real estate market is strong and growing stronger. We're in everything region. When you get the big orange itch to buy, sell, or invest, call me, Jennifer Morris, with Keller Williams Realty at 865-257-7897 or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com. Go Vols! Dead End Barbecue has you covered when you need the food to be on point for your next event. Go to deadendbbq.com to learn more or call 865-414-9417. Dead End Barbecue, the catering search is over. Looking for a different way to enjoy the show? Yes! Then check out Swain Event TV on YouTube. Ben 
Eagle of all 247. I'm Jason Swain. The text box, the Baby Chevrolet text box, always, always on 10. Always brings it. And that is why I didn't share with you what's going on right now at Baby Chevrolet. If you're looking for a Suburban, looking for a Tahoe, this is the right time right now to shop with Baby Chevrolet. Record number of Tahoes and Suburbans. Also, Chevy Equinoxes, Blazers, Silverados. If it fits your lifestyle, Baby Chevrolet has you covered. You can get 1.9% APR on the Equinoxes, the Blazers, the Silverados. You can buy with confidence with the Baby Chevrolet warranty for life. Shop Baby Chevrolet on Parkside Drive or online, BettyChevrolet.com. Locally owned and operated for over 90 years. Tennessee football um, made some some moves. Did you know that, Ben? You know, I Tennessee did. football I made did. some made some moves. I, 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 I know we talk about Don Connect, and Don Connect deserves a ton of conversation. He's been balling. He's been doing his thing. This basketball team, they're in the top five. They handle South Carolina. They handle Kentucky. They're going to move up in a huge, huge way. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. You have Wisconsin, Purdue playing the next couple games. That may help Tennessee if Wisconsin is able to beat Purdue. Wisconsin right now is number one uh, in, in the Big Ten. And Tennessee beat Wisconsin early in the season, the weekend of the Tennessee-Mizzou football game. Um, but what I think is one of the biggest things going on right now, not talked about enough, and I understand why, because people may not understand like how important it is, but Trey Johnson taking over as your director of recruiting for Tennessee. And... How many times have we, I, we talked about how recruiting needs to take another step? Two things can be true. You can praise the current class, give props to the current class, while also recognizing that it needs to be better. If there's a certain place on the college football mountaintop that you want to be. Now, if you're okay with where you are, then, hey, you don't have to be better. But I can say, even if you want to maintain where you are, you still got to be better. Because everybody else is going to be trying to be better. But if you want to improve, you want to go win a championship, you got to be better in recruiting. And if you do things the same, you're going to get the same results. So either the current people have to do a better job or you have to get better people in positions to be able to do a better job and get you better results. And there's no shade on anybody that was in a recruiting office last year, but it is a business. And Trey Johnson the new director of recruiting is a Tennessee guy. He's from right here in the great state of Tennessee. 
He spent some time at Southern California. And think about the pipeline that Tennessee has been able to create from the transfer portal from South Carolina. Like, we haven't uh, missed, not South Carolina, but Southern Cal. Like, we haven't missed at all from any player from Southern Cal in the portal bed. We haven't missed, man. And sometimes you you strike out, oh, we thought that player was going to be good. Ah, we thought it was going to get more production. Every player Tennessee's gotten from Southern Cal has produced. doesn't matter if you're a kicker. It doesn't matter if it's a wide receiver. It doesn't matter if if, if um, it's a defensive lineman. You know, Caleb Tremblay. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you Trey Johnson, you know, was a part of the staff and, and got him. But I will say I'd be surprised if Trey Johnson didn't have a little something to do with helping Tennessee even before he got to Tennessee. But he was sought out. He sought after by other programs. He had other opportunities, is what I hear. Um, and Tennessee made the move to make him the new director of recruiting. And I think this is going to be uh, a positive move for Tennessee in the recruiting space. And it comes down to your evaluations. It comes down to, okay, what type of um, stage you want to set when you're hosting visitors? What is the theme of the visit, the recruiting weekend? And so not a lot of talk about Trey Johnson, but had to mention the Chattanooga native getting a chance Absolutely. to have a key role in a recruiting office. And if you have a key role in a recruiting office, that means you have a key role with Tennessee football uh, potential success. Absolutely. I, we cover all three sports here on the Swain event. We cover football, basketball, and baseball. And that goes without being said at, at this point. Others can focus on whatever they want to focus on. We focus on Tennessee athletics as a whole. Uh, we're going to talk about Kiki Malloy when she's hitting home runs in Oklahoma City in the College World Series. Uh, we're going to talk about Lady Balls and, and Kelly Harper when when they deserve to be talked about. And uh, we, we certainly are going to talk about football, basketball, and baseball as well. We, we've proven that over the course of time, and uh, that goes without being said. And, and I really like this move for, for Tennessee. It, it's, uh, it, it's a move that, that f- does naturally fly under the radar because – uh, fans aren't as familiar with the off-field staff. Uh, they, they are very familiar with the on-field staff, and, and they're not as familiar with the personnel behind the scenes. But uh, Trey Johnson has has been a, a really key piece to Tennessee's recruiting efforts. Josh Heupel's first couple of seasons uh, in the SEC as a head coach and, and at Tennessee, and uh, just allowing him to or helping him, I think, understand the the landscape of of Tennessee and, and being that Chattanooga native, being able to to help him. Hey, these are the high schools we need to pay attention to in Memphis and Nashville and in Chattanooga, and um, you know those high schools don't get preferential treatment; they just tend to have the the schools that promote 
produced the most D1 and SEC talent. And uh, Tennessee has taken advantage of those schools, I feel like, throughout the state, especially in the Chattanooga area with Macaulay and, and Baylor. Uh, you're seeing it with Brentwood Academy and, and others in the mid-state. So uh, Trey Johnson has been a key piece to what Tennessee has done early on the recruiting trail in Josh Heupel's tenure at, at Tennessee. And, and he was mostly working on the defensive side, from my understanding. And, and now he gets an opportunity to to lead Tennessee's recruiting efforts as the director of recruiting and uh, well-liked over there, from my understanding, and, and does a great job. And, and I think he'll succeed in this role. I, I think this is a obviously a big step for him, a big opportunity for Trey himself. Um, but I also think it's a, a really good move for Josh Heupel in Tennessee. A six five two hundred fifty five zero three. Really good point here in the text box by both from Riceville. Mayshack should be getting more conversation about being the sixth man of the year. In his opinion, uh, I perk up when he comes to the game. Uh, a, a difference maker. No, if if you like watching him play, man, you, you would enjoy talking to him two times or ten times even even more. Like he gets it. He he totally gets it, and uh, I'm I'm when you have the best team in the league, you're gonna have multiple guys on award list, and Mayshak should definitely be considered national. If there's like a national defensive team, Mayshak needs to be first team on that thing. First team, first team. One thousand. He's the best perimeter defender in the country. Not not just the SEC. Not not only is he on the All SEC defensive team. I, I can't remember off the top of my head if if there's an award nationally, like an All Defensive Team nationally. But Jamal Meshack is absolutely uh, on that on that list of of five because he is the best perimeter defender in in the country. And, and I don't I don't think that's because we cover Tennessee and are around Tennessee that, that we're saying that. And, and I don't feel like that that's very bold. I mean, Jemai is elite defensively yep. in so many ways and kind of cool to think about. And this has been a topic of conversation of late uh, because Dalton connect and Jemai Meshack are very, very close and have been since Dalton came on his visit. Um, but it's cool to think about how iron sharpens iron yep. and those two guys going up against each other in practice i mean the just keeping it to the sec the the best score in the sec against the best perimeter defender maybe best defender overall in the sec going up against each other every single day in practice and uh during yesterday's practice uh rick had them doing uh, a drill where they split up the the guards and and the forwards the the guards were on one side the post players were on the other side and they were doing one-on-ones uh to where uh, you had four or five one-on-one matchups and just kind of lined up uh, across the court at half court and uh, just took each other one-on-one trying to get a stop and, and obviously scoring Dalton and Jemai were the ones that were matched up with, with one another. And they did about five or six reps uh, each pair. And uh, that, that was a fun five or six reps to, to watch Jemai and, and Dalton go at it because that, that's an elite offensive player going up against an elite uh, defensive player. And, and I want to throw in Jemai to that comment that somebody had earlier in the text box about Santi. And imagining how much deeper and more dangerous this team can become when Santi begins making his shot more consistently. I I kind of feel the same way about Jemai, not necessarily 
just as a shooter, but I, I feel like Jemai is still to a certain extent filling himself out on the offensive end as well. And I, I feel like everybody talks about Jemai's defense. I, I feel like there's more that he can give on the offensive side as well. And uh, I, I think that's only going to make Tennessee even deeper once. And, and that's where you see that Tennessee hasn't peaked yet and there's still room to grow because you do have guys like Santi and Jemai who who are still figuring out their their roles on both sides of the ball. And, and Jemai is a capable offensive player. Make no mistake about it. He's not only a defensive guy. He is very capable of providing a spark offensively. And we've seen that over the course of his time at Tennessee. Think about this, too. Santi is a better driver this year, I think, than any point of his career. And Meshack drives the ball very, very well. When those guys are driving the ball and the defense is stop trying to stop the ball, collapsing, it's opening up opportunities for shooters. So just because you don't see Meshack pouring points, just because you don't see Santi uh, pouring points, those guys driving the basketball, collapsing the defense, gives Jordan Ganey, it gives, you know, Santi himself, he's been on the receiving end of that. Uh, Dalton Connect, it gives those guys opportunity to get open shots. As potent as Dalton is offensively, he gets lost sometimes and gets wide open shots, wide open looks. Well, why is that? Because there's some penetration that's going on by either Santi or Meshack or Josiah, or Zakai Ziegler. Like, that's that's what we're seeing more of this year for this basketball team. They're not just shooting jump shots, man. They're really penetrating and, trying to, and getting two feet in the paint, making guys collapse, and then they're finding open shooters for, for open shots. Uh, just watch that tonight. Just watch that tonight. Do you agree with my opinion that no. Santi is a better facilitator than he is a shooter. Or maybe I shouldn't even word it no. that way. He's a, he's I think he looks to facilitate more than he looks to shoot the basketball. That That is the yeah, way year. I should have worded it. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. He, he's looking. But I think he's always been that way, even from the time he stepped foot on campus, because it's been like pulling teeth for Tennessee to get Santi to shoot the basketball because in he is an unselfish player and he likes to facilitate. Remember he signed with Tennessee technically as a point guard. And it wasn't really until his first full season that he moved off the ball and played off the ball consistently. I, I think it's in his nature to want to be somewhat of a point guard, not for the sake of being a point guard, but he likes facilitating. He he likes creating offense. He likes passing and dishing out assists. I, I think he prefers that to shooting as, as crazy as that sounds, which is why you, you're seeing him drive so much and kick because there's times where he passes up. Rod Clark made this comment yesterday where he, he's, to your point, been so great at driving and, and getting to the rim, and he looks like he has a wide-open shot, wide-open layup, and he kicks it out. Mm. Or, or passes to somebody else. And, and Rob was saying in the moment, he's like, Santi, like, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it. And, and then it ends up being a corner three for somebody off of, off of a pass against Vanderbilt. Yeah. And then I think there's another time where he dunked it off to Jonas for an e- easy dunk or, or layup. And, and Rob was like, okay, maybe he knows what he's doing more than I know what, what I'm doing. So I, I think it's in his nature to want to yeah. do that more than to shoot the threes. Yeah, good point. Here's something of note. Last year, you had two six men 
in the league. Co-six man, uh, six man of the year was Javon Quinterly from Alabama and Antonio Reeves in Kentucky. So when we talk about Jamal Mayshak being six man of the year or being all defensive team, like last year's SEC postseason awards, you had two uh, guys recognized for six men. Defense player of the year last year was Liam Roberts from Vanderbilt, um, shot blocker. We don't really have that scary shot blocker this year in the league uh, like we had with uh, old boy from Auburn who plays for – Walker Kessler. Yeah, Kessler, who plays for Utah. got dunked on the other night. Uh, Liam Roberts was a really you know, good shot blocker. Not as good as Kessler, but was a good shot blocker. Um, all first-team SEC last year had one Tennessee player. All SEC second-team last year had one Tennessee player. Uh, all SEC defensive team last year had one Tennessee player. That is going to change. Uh, I think Tennessee's going to have two defensive players on the all-SEC team. I think Tennessee is going to have two players on the all-SEC first team. Yeah, and it, and it might end up being three because I, I – I agree with your point about uh, not having that that feared shot blocker in the league like we've had the past couple of years. Uh, even Eve Ponds, I'd throw into there. Uh, but Jonas, Jonas is a Jonas has been blocking a fair amount of shots lately. Oh yeah, no and doubt. But f- I don't, I'm talking I don't, about feared, feared. Yeah, yeah, that that's true. Uh, and I do agree with that. But I, I'll be curious to see if that number gets to three because on both teams, because on the defensive team, I think you could make the case for Jemai, Jonas, and Zakai. Although Z- Zakai has been struggling on the ball a little more of late than than I'm used to seeing, I think. That's what – I don't know if the coaches would agree with that. I don't know if there's statistics, analytics that, that, were, that would agree with, with that. I haven't looked into it. But the eye test, it, it feels like Sakai just to the to my eyeball when I'm watching. It feels like he's been beat off the ball a little more of late than than he has been over the course of his career. But then on the all SEC team, I think those Jonas Adu, Dalton obviously, and Zakai. I mean, I, I think all three of those guys have a great case at being on the all SEC first team as well. Yeah. Um there's only one player in the league averaging more than one block per game. Is it um, uh, Janai Broom? Close. Jabrion Sharp, Ole Miss. Okay. So, like, Broom is right there, 0. 0.9. A, a, a dude is right there. A, a dude is right there, 0. 0.9. But, like, truly one guy that's averaging over one block per game. So, I think that backs up my statement that you just don't have that feared shot blocker. Like, no, there, there's not. Yeah, like there's you did, certainly like not. you did last year because Walker Kessler was averaging like five blocks per game. It seemed like. Yeah, Walker <laughs> Kessler was. Yeah, was ridiculous. Now Sharp better be averaging over a block a game. The guy's seven foot five. You you, you better be blocking. True. And, and what's yeah? I even remember looking at his stats when he played, uh, going into that Tennessee Ole Miss game and thinking, how are you seven foot five and only averaging like five rebounds and barely over a block a game? One point four. TFN. Tall for nothing. Yeah, one one point four, man. Tall yeah. for nothing. It got a construction cone in the paint, just sitting there at seven foot five, not doing a thing. That sounds like a basketball coach saying, "You got that from Rick Barnes, didn't you?" I have not heard Rick Barnes 
say that Rick, Rick was on one these past two practices that we've been able to been Love able it. to see. Love, it. don't be getting comfortable. But he and the guy he's on most Dalton Connect. Yes. Oh, he was he was on Dalton yesterday about defense, uh, but or shot selection, everything, Love shot it. selection, defense. Love it. Rebounding. Love it. Passing the basketball. Man. He knows Dalton can take it. That's what and, he signed up for. He signed up. Yep. yep. He signed up because he wanted Rick Barnes to make him a better player. And on every team, it doesn't matter if it's basketball, baseball, football, hockey, it doesn't matter. You got to be able to coach your best player the hardest. He was able to coach Grant Williams the hardest, and Grant handled it well. And it helped the success of the whole entire basketball team. It did. Here, here I want to ask you. I want to ask you this. I know we're running out of time, and I'm answering Brian Hunsucker's question before I get out of here, dadgummit, about baseball. Uh, but I, I did want to ask you this because I thought this was a, a cool note from uh, Zakai uh, talking after the Vanderbilt game, and I, I think it ties into what you were talking about leadership last week with the football team. Yeah. And and I want to know if this is the type of leadership that you were speaking to football needing to find this upcoming season that wasn't quite there with his past bunch. Uh, J.P. Estrella played well in his minutes against Vanderbilt. And uh, I asked Sakai after the game in that little hallway at Memorial Gymnasium. And Sakai said that uh, he spoke to J.P. one-on-one, called him recently, and uh, said he had talked to Coach and said that he, he in a nice way, publicly said that JP needed to to play tougher and uh needed to to be that energy off of the bench but I thought it was really cool how Sakai had a conversation with Rick asking hey what do we need from JP and then Sakai goes out of his way to to call JP a true freshman and illustrate we need this we need that from you in order for us to get to where we want to go. And also for yourself, if you want to play, like you need to, you need to be tougher, quite frankly. And, uh, Zakai was dancing around saying it that bluntly in his post game interview, but I've watching practice and I've seen Zakai get on to JP in a way in practice, the way he would not do it publicly in an interview. And the coaching staff has, has done the same thing. They, they've just been trying to get JP to toughen up, and not because he's soft or anything like that, but JP's always been the biggest guy and the most skilled guy in high school. He didn't have to play as hard as he has to play to now, so just trying to get him to that point. And I thought it was cool and representative of how great this team's leadership is because to what you were talking about last week, I felt like, was the leadership that Zakai showed with JP and not necessarily being afraid to get on to him and, and speak up and, and correct him and going about doing it in, in the right way. That's, that's what it's about, man. Like to talk about it, you gotta be about it. And I remember Tony Brown, 2004 season. Now uh, he became a, a, a captain. Um, he was one of fours. He had Michael Munoz. Uh, I forgot the uh, Kevin Burnett. I forgot the the, the the fourth one. Anyways, but I remember TB always said, "Man, don't talk about it. Be about it. Be about it. Be about it." To be a leader, to be someone that people respect and listen to as a leader, you have to do what you want others to do. If Zakai 
says you need to toughen up, you're going to listen because there's no question about the toughness of Zakai Ziegler. The smallest dude on the court, but has the biggest heart and arguably is the toughest. So when he tells you you need to toughen up, like you're going to listen. If someone else says, hey, man, you need to toughen up, but you soft, they're not listening to you. Or, hey, man, you need to go harder. But they know you don't go hard, they're not listening to you. That's the first thing, man. Like, you have to be what you want others to be. You 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 can't fake it. People are going to find out. People are going to know. So, I think with NIL and all the money that's floating around, it's harder. I don't think basketball teams are going to have the same problem with this as football teams because there's more money floating around football. All these changes that are taking place with the NCAA, they're taking place because of football. Conference realignment. It's because of football. It's because of football. So you got dudes counting each other's pockets. You got dudes forgetting their long-term goals because they're thinking about the short-term. Because that money, man, that money have you acting funny. That money will have you acting funny. Notorious Big. Notorious B.I.G. said it. More money, more problems. And when you don't have a lot of money, you think that's silly. You think the money that you would have had will erase all your problems. But in a lot of ways, sometimes it creates new problems that are bigger. And you can learn a lot about a person when you give them some money. And you can learn a lot about a group when there's money at stake. You really can. So just something to put in your back pocket and think about. Something to think about. Tonight, what's going to be key for Tennessee to get the dub against South Carolina? South Carolina's a good basketball team, man. And they're looking for a signature win. And there's not a better time for South Carolina to get one than tonight. It's a midweek game. Sometimes home teams kind of sleepwalk. You know, we've seen Tennessee start slow with midweek games before. Carolina has not been respected on a national level like they think they should be. Uh, Tennessee's coming off uh, a game where you're feeling good about yourself. This is prime upset for for South Carolina. Uh, but what is going to be key for, for Tennessee tonight in this game, in your opinion? Well, before I answer that question, I do want to answer Brian Hunsuckers. He asked me about projected baseball on it real quick. Uh, Hunter Inslee in center, Dylan Dryling in left field, Billy Amick at third, Blake Burke at first, Christian Moore at second, Kenny Peebles DHing, Kavars Tears in right, Cal Stark catching, Ariel Antigua at shortstop, and in that order from one to nine. Uh, Brian Hunsucker asked on behalf of him and Nelson from Oakland, so did want to 
answer uh, Brian Hunsucker and Nelson from Oakland's uh, question uh, there before we, we we did get out the door. Uh, but the key tonight is, uh, I think, slowing down South Carolina from the perimeter. They, they've been really hot from three the last couple of games, uh, and, and they've got some big-time scores starting with Michi Johnson. Uh, they, they've got to find a way to slow them down. And the good news for Tennessee is that you have Sakai Ziegler, you have Jemai Meshack, you have Santiago Vescovi. I think Don't Connect starting to play well on the defensive end as well. You you have defenders you can deploy on that end of the floor. I love what Jordan Ganey has done uh, defensively the last two games. He, he's been all over the floor, both offensively and de- defensively, uh, winning those hustle plays getting deflections, things like that. Uh, so it, it'll be a tough test for Tennessee tonight with, with those South Carolina offensive players. But if they can slow them down, uh, then, then I think they avoid the upset. And, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, keep an eye on the offensive rebounds tonight for, for both teams. I, I think the team that has more success pulling down offensive rebounds uh, is likely going to to win this basketball game. And then if South Carolina wins the offensive rebound battle, that that's not going to single-handedly mean that South Carolina wins the game uh, because I, I don't think Tennessee and South Carolina is as evenly matched as a Tennessee or Kentucky if, if when those two teams are playing on Saturday. Um, but th- that's how South Carolina can pull off the upset if they continue to be hot from three. And also if they they continue to grab offensive rebounds and, and – earn second chance points. So uh, that, that's kind of where I'm looking at Tennessee to, to avoid the upset is, is winning in, in those departments. But it's hard to envision anybody coming into Thompson Bowling Arena this season and, and beating this version of Tennessee basketball. Yes, sir. I got one thing uh, from last week's game that we got to clean up in this game against South Carolina, and that is team free throws. That has to be a one-game dud. You're back home. You're playing on your rims, your normal arena. Uh, Tennessee needs to be back at shooting as a team over 70 75%. Like, Tennessee came into the game against Vanderbilt as one of the best free throw shooting teams uh, in, in the SEC. Uh, I want to say one or two. And in that in that Vanderbilt game, uh, we were absolutely uh, atrocious shooting shooting from the free throw line. Um, we were sixty four percent, fourteen out of twenty two. So uh, that cannot happen. Nor can South Carolina making more free throws than we attempt. That can't happen either. So uh, I'm going to look at the free throw line. I'm going to look at us getting the ball to to the paint, us being aggressive. Uh, that's going to be my 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 key stat. That's something that you haven't already mentioned yourself, and I, I agree to everything that you said about about that. Hiller Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electrical. True transparency pricing, folks. Very very important. Why is it important? Because you're going to know the price up front before you agree. Uh, to any work being done. They've been in business since 1990. Family owned and operated. Uh, true transparency price means you're going to know the price of the job up front. They will itemize parts and labor separately. There's no hidden fees, no added costs, no surprises when you get your bill. Happy you will be or the service is free. I roll with Hiller. 
When I have some issues, I call healers. Last time they came out, um, they said, huh, we came out about this before. This is the same issue. Well, let's make sure we fix it right. I'll be back. My man left, came back an hour later, had to get some different parts to make sure the job was done right so I wouldn't have to deal with the issue again. And because it was a job that was done before, it was free. So when they say happy you'll be in the service is free, like I was happy. I wasn't upset or anything, but they, my man said, hey, we got to fix this and make it right. So the service was free. That's my testimony um, from, from Hillary. All right, Ben. See you at the game uh, tonight. We'll be back on Tuesday to discuss as we head into the weekend. As Tennessee will play the uh, biggest game of the year this weekend. But right now it's about South Carolina, which is currently the biggest game of the year, right? That That is right. You, you be careful around those cocks now tonight, all right? Uh, you're going to be around them, sir. Not not me. Not going to the game. I'm not going to the game, my friend. Okay, I I will uh, I will watch myself then. Yeah, you 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 watch out. You watch out. All right, Swain Vent fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant. That's Ben McKee. Go Vols two four seven. I'm Jason Swain live here from the Low T Center Studio. Hope everyone has a great Tuesday. Peace, much love. We are out.